104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now... It's time for Ned Talk. Yes, sir, it is. Welcome into Ned Talk, our local live sports talk show. And in case you're tuning in for the first time, we usually start our sports talk show by talking about the weather. (laughs) (laughs) Because Ned, like, I'm becoming more and more obsessed with the the weather the older I get. Mm -hmm. Are you obsessed with the weather? Not now. It's beautiful. I love it. Oh, I know. Your lizard-like condition. You gotta love this. I'm sorry, sir. Your lizard-like condition, you must love this. Not love it, I am in ecstasy. (laughs) And ecstasy is not to be confused with the illegal substances. Right, right, right. All right, all right. This is for me. This is sunshine and warm and blue skies. Warm? It's beyond warm. No, for me, it's just warm. It's hot. That's Ned Reynolds. I'm Joe Weston. We're joined by John Oliver. John, how are you today? I'm doing well. I, I'm with Ned. I love this time of year, and I love the the heat, but I do like that gradual build into it instead of, you know, rain showers like I'm in Portland, and then all of a sudden it's 90 the next day. And humid. A like little, you walk little out, bit of yeah, an easing in period. You walk outside and you're wet. Oh, yeah. I find I get headaches and stomach aches really quickly. But that's because I stopped coaching. I'm not out it. <laughs> right. I'm not out it anymore. I'm yeah. not in it anymore. So I don't know. What about mm-hmm. you, Josh? Josh Roberts, well, by the way. Yeah, I'm, I am a human furnace already. So being out <laughs> in the sun just is not real great for me. I mean, I like summer, but I'm a fall guy. I mean, I like it a little cooler. But yeah, this is nice. It's nice that we're past this rain for now. Knock wood. We'll see what happens. I got a squeegee. After I go inside, walking from the car <laughs> yeah. to the office, just get, get all that off. Start packing, change of shirts in the car. Right. Let's talk with, we uh, start out with one of the more interesting stories in sports. We're, we're going to get to talking about the college football playoff situation that Ned uh, has brought up today that I, I'm interested to find out more about. But let's start out with Le'Veon Bell. Um, he was asked, somebody made a comment on Twitter about his playing time while with the Kansas City Chiefs, and he said... In response to that, I would rather retire than play with Andy Reid ever again. Now, Andy Reid has a tremendous reputation in the NFL. Le'Veon Bell doesn't. So let's get your thoughts, Ned. Well, keep in mind, keep in mind who made the comment and where he stands with his career. Well, I'm, I'm sure he was very upset at not playing more when he was brought over by the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'm sure the Chiefs were a little upset that he couldn't provide a little more impetus into their running game and their overall offensive scheme. But also, this is Le'Veon Bell. He's had his history of injuries. With the New York Jets, he played uh, very little, and he also certainly had his issues with the front office. Yeah, the guy has to be a bit of a malcontent, so I take that with a grain of salt. But by the same token, uh, Andy Reid has a team to work with. He has a game to play. He has a team to push toward a championship. He knows what's what he's doing. It may not be great with everybody. You're never going to please everybody. Lord heavens, how well we know that. But the fact of the matter remains, I think it's just one one malcontent who you might remember, guys, in the uh, in the pregame show we do for the Kansas City Chiefs, we brought that up. Uh-huh. Said, hey, the Chiefs have gotten Le'Veon oh, yeah. Bell. Everything is solved. Oh, no, it's not either, guys. That could be more problems. It may have turned out to be. Let me bring this up, though. 
when the, we did talk about that when the chief signed it, but he said all the right things while he was here. Of course. In Kansas City, I should say. And uh, he, you know, seemed to be a team player that he, he called Edwards Hilaire right away and said, hey, I want to help you. I'm not here to take your job. I'm just going to spell you. And but even after Hilaire was hurt, the Chiefs didn't go to him. Nope. So do you think it was something they saw in his play that they thought he's a guy that just can't get it done anymore? I think there's a combination of things, yeah. And and the fact of the matter remains, he probably couldn't get it done anymore. They did play him a little bit. He wasn't any great shakes. He's like everybody else and all of us in society are included. He has an ego, and I'm sure that ego was greatly bruised by the fact that he was not a contributing member. So, hence, we have this comment about Andy Reid. I think totally uncalled for, and I don't think he should have made it. What do you think, John? I know you have strong opinions about this. I do have a strong opinion about this, and I'll be honest. I've brought it up on this program before. You know, I look at guys like Tyron Matthew, and I know I bring him up a lot, but he's a guy that started his career about as badly as a human being can start a professional career. Not only the trouble he got into in college, he has been, a, by most accounts, a model citizen in the NFL for the past five years. He's been a great help to the Chiefs leadership-wise. In sports, we tend to give way too many second chances. And, you know, I look back on a guy like Steve Howe for baseball fans that remember him. You know, how many times it was this great comeback story that ESPN built it up to be whenever he was coming back with the Yankees. This is after like six drug suspensions at that point. So with a player like Levy and Bell, I think this is sour grapes. I think he's still trying to keep himself relevant. He did do all the right things when he came in, and I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and think that maybe he matured. Some guys do. Le'Veon Bell will not. I don't think he'll ever mature past his ego. He was ineffective after he sat out when he came for the Jets. He was ineffective last year. It's hard for a lot of times for them to admit their career's over, and then they lash out at people. Andy Reid, obviously, we've never heard these type of complaints before. Not from Donovan McNabb, not from Terrell Owens. It's not, silly. Not even from Tyreek Hill. Correct. Mm-hmm. I will say one thing. i got to put in a comment Aside from this, Steve Howe did turn his life around um, eventually. So I believe in all the second chances that Steve, uh, that, Steve, that Steve Howe got. And, and I want to point this out to you. He's, Steve Howe pitched during the time that the, uh, the baseball was on strike. And part of his condition for being a uh, part of his probation was that he had to be gainfully employed. He worked in the Yankees ticket office. Mm-hmm. So that he could have gameful employment during that time. And he eventually did turn his life around. So yeah, well, for a yeah, while. Yeah. yeah. We, we can't have Steve Howe on the show. No, yeah. we can't have Steve. Howe. Well, the, all that, <laughs> the, all, all that he did eventually caught up with him. Yes. It you did. know, that's, it did. that's what it was. So Josh, your thoughts, we'll get back to Steve Howe later on in <laughs> the Steve Howe hour. Uh, how, what are your thoughts on Le'Veon Bell? Well, I think that both of these guys hit on it. I think he, he, it seems like he made an effort to get along at first, but then when he's, he didn't get the playing time that I'm sure he expected, I think that's probably a product of his ability or diminished ability. Uh, I think he's at an age where he's just not as good as he was, which happens to all professional athletes. And the, and the time span for a running back is a lot shorter than some other players. So, uh, And then it's just sour grapes at that point. I mean, he he probably feels like he can still play somewhere else, and so he's got to get his name in the paper so that people remember who he is. It was sort of an off-the-cuff remark, too. Somebody said, your playing time was kind of down on Twitter, and his response was just to throw Andy Reid under the bus. Mm-hmm. 
Let me ask you guys this. We'll go around the table for this. Do you think that the year off really cost him, though, more than it helped him? Ned? I think he had his better years with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Simple matter of that. Steelers, you know, let him go. New York Jets pick him up, thinking they're going to have a godsend with the player. But the Steelers probably saw the fact that his career was beginning to diminish, and it does, as Josh just pointed out, with a running back, probably a whole lot more precipitously than with any other position in football because you're used so much. I think that all figures into it. It just simply does not last forever. John, there's a a term when you leave a business or you leave a job, and it's called burning your bridges. He (laughs) napalms his bridges because uh, he had very negative things to say about Ben Roethlisberger, and he also had very negative things to say about the Jets' front office. He did, yeah, and you're exactly right. And that's, that's the type of player that if I'm a general manager now, you know, Sometimes people like to take a chance on someone maybe rekindling that old flame when they're talented. He's someone I wouldn't touch at this point. I absolutely would not take a flyer on him for the league minimum. And with what you were saying about players sitting out, if you can find an instance to correct me, I can't remember in the last 20 years anyone who missed six or more games in the NFL season and came back as effective as they were before. There's a coach whose name rhymes with Bruden who might uh, be interested in Le'Veon. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what do you think, Josh? Do you think taking the year off? I think, the take personally, I think taking the year off hurt him. Yes. Yeah, I think it did, too. I think there's these guys perform at such a high level and have to try to maintain that in the off season. There's no way that there isn't a letdown if they have that year off. And so whether or not they can recover it is is the question. And I think the majority of them, once that year is gone, it's not coming back. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to regain that level. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. It's your local live sports talk show. Deb Reynolds, John Oliver, Josh Roberts, Joe Weston. We're talking about Le'Veon Bell. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about another player that took a year off and uh, things have not changed for him. Chris Long, or Kyle Long, I'm sorry. Chris Long is his brother. Kyle Long, he's injured already. Yes, and you had a feeling that was going to happen, too. He was made a free agent, and uh, the Chiefs picked him up as a free agent, and he's going to be solid on the line. Well, look at his history of injuries, and the Chiefs (laughs) certainly had to do that. What did he have, an injury in seven years straight, something Mm -hmm. like that? And now he has, excuse me a second, speaking of injuries, <laughs> now he has an injury. It, you just knew this was going to happen. You, there are some guys you can count on who are going to play through anything, and these days and times, that's not going to happen. You have to be very careful with your career. In his case, I think he is just injury prone. He uh, got hurt in OTAs, which just started this last week. And, Joe, they are non-contact. Yep. Yeah, he walked out in the field. And, oh! My knee. So oh, his knee. Yeah, it was a knee injury, and they, uh, Andy Reid says that he's hopeful that Kyle Long will be back for the start of the season. But mm. that's um, that's that's not a good start for for Kyle Long. Let's switch gears again, and let's talk about one of the other big sports stories, and that's one that Ned has brought up. There's a new proposal for mm-hmm. college football playoffs, and. Ned, bring us up to speed on that. Well, do you think we, um, and just using this as a little planning in the show, do you think we ought to change that for our uh, roundtable discussion yeah, a little bit do, later? We can do that. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll lay out the format one. of what it's mm-hmm. going to be. It is a, and it surprised me when this happened. We have been calling for, well, for years for the college football playoff. Great. It's four teams now, which is fine. It's it's a national championship. But it's only four. Mm-hmm. 
and they're always the same four. <laughs> Alabama and Oklahoma are in there. Notre Dame always seems to find a way Auburn. to get in there. Ohio State. Uh, but, but the fact remains, it's been four teams, and it is a national champion. Expanded. My expansion, I just assumed, was going to be eight. It isn't. It's 12. Uh -huh. 12 teams. My goodness, how are they going to form this? Well, it's six conference champions who are highly ranked. That does not say only the Power Five or anything. It says six conference champions. It doesn't designate a conference. You assume that the Big Ten and Big 12 and SEC are going to be in there, but it isn't necessarily a safe assumption. You have six conference champions the four highest-rated conference champions get a first-round bye. Then you have six other teams, and you can load them up with as many from another conference. I can see the SEC having everybody in there. <laughs> but the fact remains, that's how it's going to be. I have, I have some doubts about it. I like the idea of the expansion. I have no problem with the 12 if certain criteria is met. And we'll talk about that, Joe, a little bit later on. Yeah, that should be an interesting conversation. Let's just get off-the-cuff thoughts about it. I mean, Ned, you like it. Uh, John, what are your thoughts? Uh, I've always been a fan of more teams in a championship tournament, and it's no different for football. Obviously, they can't do the 68 like they do for the NCAA tournament. That's not feasible with, you know, the games and the prep. But I think anything that is a move towards allowing more teams a chance to compete for that is a great move. What do you? I I know what you think. I know what uh, Josh is going to think. He's going to side with Nick Saban here. <laughs> What's Nick Saban think? Oh, Nick Saban's <laughs> going to hate anything that. Well, yeah, that makes it harder for him to win a championship. No, I actually I like the idea of an expanded playoff. I was thinking maybe eight or ten would be ideal. If you did eight, you could have the five major conference champions and then three at large bids, and that would be that would get a Coastal Carolina or a. Um, the Smurf uh, turf. Boise Boise turf. Somebody, like, somebody that. like that sure. could sneak in there and get a chance. Because I think that's the one unfortunate thing about college football is, you know, you, you end up with the top four and it, it is always the same. And I'm happy with that being an Alabama fan, but most people want their team to get a shot. Mm -hmm. And this creates a situation where they might. Now, we, there are reservations that I have about it, but we'll talk about them in the, uh, the roundtable discussion. Mm -hmm. All right. That'll be coming up in just a little bit of a roundtable discussion between here and there. I think we'll talk some baseball. It's Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Last week when we were doing the show, we always talk about what we're watching. We were watching women's softball last week, college women's softball, and a listener was not happy with some of the comments that I made. I was not disparaging women's softball. I'm interested by it. I find that I watch it more and more the older that I get. Uh, my dad was a big fan of it. And, uh, you know, they're tremendous athletes. I know I could not hit anything. And I certainly <laughs> would not want one of them to hit a ball at me while I was playing third base. But the listener did say that it's faster than Major League Baseball, and it's not. I'm going to argue well, it, with you on that. It gives that appearance because mm -hmm. the, the diamond is smaller and the and the mound is forty, I think forty six feet or something mm -hmm. like that. So it, it gives that it gives that impression. But hey, it's fine. It moves yeah. a lot slower, I think, because they they spend a lot of time 
you know, looking at the cards and backing out of the box mm-hmm. and and the meetings on the field and stuff like that. But not disparaging at all. I'm I'm interested in it and I watched it. It was on in the uh, studio this week. We're watching soccer. We're watching the floppers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing really. I was going to bring this up. I was thinking about it yesterday. The soccer was on while I was doing my vinyl club show, and and you, these guys really care about their hair. Yeah, oh yes, yeah. I, you know, I, I'm a sweater, <laughs> so my hair looks bad almost instantly when I go outside, period. These guys, their hair is like plastered on their head. There was a guy that yesterday got his head cut open and he was worried about his hair most of the time. He just kept doing <laughs> stuff with his hair. We, there was a player yesterday that actually had a heart attack on the field. Mm-hmm. And uh, Josh knows a little bit about that. Yeah, Christian Erickson, he's a top level Premier League player. He's play, he plays for Denmark. Uh, when he's not playing for Premier League, but yeah, he had a he had a heart attack, and they actually had to revive him on the field. Yeah, he, he flatlined his heart. He flatlined, so it's, it's kind of scary. I mean, I they went ahead and continued playing the game after like a ninety minute delay, mm-hmm. which there's some question on whether they should have done that because Denmark ended up losing one to nothing. But uh, yeah, that's a weird situation. Not something you expect, especially from a top level athlete like him. It has happened in the National Football League too. I remember the incident in I want to say '69 or '70 with I've forgotten his first name now. Last name was Hughes. He was a wide receiver for the Detroit Lions and ran a play, ran a pattern. I think the Lions were playing the Bears and uh, ran a pattern out. Then standing there, and all of a sudden he's on the floor. Mm-hmm. Oh, except in this case, on the field, mm-hmm. and he had flatlined himself. And I believe he did pass away. Mm. And the point is, I may joke about things, but that is simply that it is a joke. Oh, I just sure. like to joke about things, uh, especially sports-wise, <laughs> because yeah. I think people are too serious about sports sometimes. I just think that sometimes we take it seriously. There should be a little more humor in sports, because really it is ultimately entertainment for all of us. But let's get to what three-fourths of us live and breathe, and that's baseball. <laughs> I'm looking at the standings, and what I've noticed is that there's a lot of flip-flopping going on in the standings. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I noticed is probably the two most consistent teams in baseball right now, San Francisco Giants, Pittsburgh Pirates. One's consistently good, one's consistently bad. What are your takeaways from where we're at in the season, we're down to less than 100 games. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's and what 90, you're saying? believe today, after today's game, it's 97 remaining, I uh-huh. believe, if I counted correctly. But the uh, other day on the air, I made, uh, made the comment. I said that uh, I, I, this is not really a tremendously critical series for the Cardinals right now playing the Cubs unless they get swept. But that's not likely to happen, <laughs> quote, end quote, says Ned Reynolds. Oh, my. And tonight, it I... I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think the Cardinals come back tonight, but but they've got Carlos Martinez on the hill tonight, the gentleman who's as consistent as Jello out there. He could throw a no-hitter, and he could get bounced out in the first inning. But the bottom line is this. they If they get to fall six games back at this juncture, that's not an insurmountable margin, and I have seen the Cardinals overcome larger margins than that at a, a, a deeper end of the season than it is now, back in August. Uh, they were uh, seven games down in uh, 98 or 99, whenever that was, and came back to get into the playoffs. So it can be done. But they were also stronger Cardinal teams. Mm-hmm. Cardinals have some very good offense. They've got a good, solid hitting core with Goldschmidt and Arnado And DeYoung is back now. He can hit. Uh, 
The fact is, though, it's not a real great mix because they don't have the key individuals to come up with that hit when you need it and how you need it. And the pitching staff gang, it it just needs to be retooled. It's not very good. So we've been talking a lot during the uh, off-air part of the show. We have a uh, bona fide prospect, I mean, a uh, mm-hmm. a blue chip prospect <laughs> right here mm-hmm. playing for the Springfield Cardinals. Tell us a little bit about Nolan Gorman. Well, we televised a game on Friday night. He hit two home runs in that game. Uh, one of them, uh, in all fair, well, that's not fair for me to say either. The wind helped one be 420 feet instead of 410. <laughs> it was a wallop. His first one that he hit in that game the wind wasn't even blowing then, and he cleared the training center. Now, you have to understand how the training center in right field works because there, it's in an angle. It is not exactly in uh, perpendicular shape to the field, so you can overshoot one end of it, and he did. And it was way out into that far parking lot. In fact, it may have even left the parking lot. It was a bomb, hmm. but it's one run. That's still, it's home run is one run. Hmm. Hit two on Friday three last night. Uh, and all uh, this is done with the director of the farm system, Gary LaRock, sitting on the back row <laughs> down below us, not in the press box, but in the stands, with uh, in one hand the, some huge computer that he has, another with uh, notes that he's making, and an assistant over on the other side. Uh-huh. What does this tell you, gang? Uh, well, it tells you, number one, Number one, most important of all, and this is a Gorman. If you want to see him play, folks, you better get out there and see him play. Yeah, tonight. got it. Or tomorrow. No, it won't play tomorrow. They're off. I wouldn't be surprised if tomorrow he's not on the way to Memphis. I don't think the big club, but certainly to Memphis. Memphis, yes. And uh, he's, he's just hitting the ball a ton down here. So if you want to see him, it better be tonight. And number two, pitching staff needs help. There isn't any question about that. Yeah, Flaherty out until probably August at some time. Who knows when Michaelis, if he ever comes back again. Uh, the Korean pitcher, uh, Kwong Him Kim, with a bad back. The bad back was not something that just happened when he got taken out. He'd had it through spring training. He sat out for several weeks. So how often is that going to reoccur? And then you have a manager who's using the bullpen with every blasted game that they play. They could be up 17 to nothing, and here comes the bullpen. Let's get them in here. Um, That's I, the way the game's played, though. Yeah, it well, is. It, it's is. wrong. <laughs> it right. Be, but, but it is time that they've got to address the pitching, uh, pitching staff. It's got to be – there has to be some juncture or individual added, and I'm wondering if Mr. Gorman is not that person being showcased – uh, if it is, I would be very, very personally unhappy because he is a ball player. He's going to play in the big time for years to come. And to send him for a short-term fix, John Oliver, you're the baseball man. What do you think? So, Ned, you said it right. I mean, right now, the pitching staff is a wreck for the Cardinals. You can't really count on Ponce de Leon. I'm a big fan of Johan Oviedo. I think he's going to be great, but people have to remember he's 21. Yeah. He's he's not able to stand up yet to a full major league season. He's still trying to stretch out. That's why he can usually only go five or six. I think he'll be good, but it's not the time to push him on that. Gant has had control problems all year. Nothing's changed with that. I like Gant. I think he's a talented kid, but you've got to cut down the walks. We've talked about Carlos Martinez. I'm not even going to address that. It's <laughs> it's just it is what it is at this point. Million-dollar talent, 10-cent head. 
And then Wainwright's been the steady force, so I'm glad he came back this year. You hit it on the nose with Gorman, though. I've watched this guy since the Futures game three years ago at the MLB All-Star game. He turned heads there. He's a young kid. I believe he's 20. 20. And just prodigious power. You don't see this every day. And the Cardinals have had him at third. They've played him at second. They've played him in the outfield. He's obviously on the fast track. Max Scherzer would definitely look really good in a Cardinals uniform. And the Nationals are falling out of contention as we speak more and more. Any trade that starts and ends with Gorman, to me, is a non-starter. You've got to try to entice <laughs> the Nationals if they are going to part with Scherzer. Of course they're going to ask for Nolan Gorman. I want to date with Kirsten Dunst. Neither one's going to happen. <laughs> so, you know, that being said, you've got they've got plenty of other high-level prospects that are of interest. Ilharis Montero was one of the names that went in the Nolan Gorman deal. He was a pretty touted prospect. He never really came around when he was in the Cardinals farm system. But there are other names like Luke and Bacon, or Luke and Baker, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, Delvin Perez, we mentioned. He's He's been around for a while, but, I mean, teams see upside in him. And we've got some pitching prospects that we could, you know, pair loose to get him. Trading Gorman's not the answer now or ever, in my opinion. Your wife's on the phone, by the way. I'm sure, yes. Uh, <laughs> let me be. Let me play the devil's advocate here because he's, he's a third baseman. You got somebody at third base. He's going to be there for a few years. Solid. Probably looking at his numbers, Hall of Fame third baseman. Mm-hmm. What do you do with Gorman? Where do you put? Him? Where do you put him at? Second base, and that's yes. where he has been playing down here. That's where, he, but not on a consistent basis. That's mm-hmm. not a national. I will say this as a baseball coach: that's not a natural transition spot. Right. It, but it it can be done. And with a kid who's twenty years old, we saw him play second base on Friday night down here. I don't know where he played last night. But uh, Friday night, he was at second, did commit an error that on a very, very easy play. A little mm. bouncer out to second, the ball just bounced out of his glove. All right, that can happen to anybody. He also made a couple of outstanding backhanded plays, <laughs> one of which was in the, up the middle, up, up the gut, mm-hmm. a backhanded play in which he pirouetted into the air and threw the man out at first base. Hey, hey, the guy can get things done. He is an athlete. And what I like about him is... As John pointed out, the great power, he doesn't swing for great power. Mm-hmm. It's a same fluid <laughs> swing every single time through, and to me, that makes the difference. He's not up there trying to hammer the ball out. It goes out off his bat. And so, Joe, one, well, I'm sorry, one ahead. quick thing that you as a Yankees fan may not appreciate as much as Cardinal fans, but in spring training, Gorman was, I don't mean this this way, it's just, you know, it's no offense, meant, but... He played second in spring quite a bit before he got sent off to the satellite site. He took reps at second, and Jose Okendo, who I do have a lot of respect for as a fielding instructor, said he's ready to play this at the big league level if you guys want to do it. No, I understand. I under- so, that's one thing I was going to ask because I was going to ask if Okendo was still the infield coach. Yes, yes. And just if if, if Jose Okendo says he's ready, then, you know, he's ready. I, do, I appreciate that part of it. How big is Gorman? Uh, he's 5'10", 5'11". So he's not a... He's, he's not like a Brian Hayes. He's, he's not, not six five, yeah, six not, six. Yeah, moving a guy that size to second base. I mean, you're just different positions. I mean, and a lot of people I don't think who are casual baseball fans understand that third baseman doesn't typically have a lot of range. Very true. 
Uh, they're more of a reaction sort of guy. And your second baseman tip is like another shortstop. They typically have a lot of range. So it's mm-hmm. not a natural transition no. point for guys to go to mm-hmm. when uh, they see that. My uh, good buddy, Michael Vincent, he was an outfielder. And they said, you know, hey, we've got some outfielders. There's no place for you to go. Why don't you go catch for us? So he transitioned into a catcher because the arms have similar strength. Mm-hmm. Very true. Josh, you want to chime in here? Anything you know about this? Anything nope. you want to say? Nope. <laughs> sure. Well, you're, you're, you're a Cubs fan. I am a Cubs go. fan, so I'm glad the Cubs are beating the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Well, the when, the thing that the uh, the necessary focus for the Cardinals pitching staff has to be uh, accuracy in oh, what they're doing. Gosh. This team leads the major leagues leads the major leagues with 281 walks wow. through uh, how many games already? 60, uh, 65, 65, I think, 65 yes. or 66. 281 walks on their way to over 700. You're not going to win a lot of games doing that. Case in point was last night. What, the mm-hmm. Cubs have seven runs and five hits or something like that? And here is Gant walking home a couple of runs with the bases loaded. Hit, it's one, and then he hit a guy with the bases mm-hmm. loaded. You can't have that. Mm-hmm. It just does not work. And it's not just the starting pitchers. The bullpen has been guilty of such a thing, too. What is, what is the focus and the teaching point of how these pitchers are learning? What, what is it that they're learning? You learn when you're out there on the mound. You learn accuracy. And that's how you pitch. Now, guys, I'm going to call up an article that I read this morning about the uh, former Phillies, uh, <clears throat> Brian Price, excuse me, <clears throat> Brian oh, yeah. Price, who uh, quit. He quit the Phillies. He quit the Phillies at the end of the season, and it's, <clears throat> it's a million-dollar contract that he left. Why? Because he is so disappointed with the way the game is played right now. Mm-hmm. And he has some quotes in here. And I'm going to have to call it up on my uh, handy device here. (laughs) But uh, I don't have it right now. But the fact of the matter remains that he says, I'm quitting because launch angles and foolishness like that is just not a part of baseball. He does say, I don't want him to go back to 1975. Everything changes. But the way the kids are learning now, not the proper pitching techniques, what the pitching coaches all teach now, the first thing is velocity. Mm -hmm. That's not right. Mm -hmm. You're not being taught how to groove the ball and how to throw cut fastballs and even knuckleballs, for heaven's sake. Uh, That's not part of the game anymore. It is sheer power, and that doesn't work. You're going to blow out arms? You are blowing out arms. There's so many of them. There's so many guys that throw in the upper 90s these days in baseball, and it seems like every team has four or five of them when it was unusual to find a guy that threw that hard. In the olden days of baseball, when we when we loved when we loved baseball, <laughs> we've got a conversation coming up about the uh, college football playoff system. We'll get our, our thoughts on that. That'll be our roundtable discussion. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Ned has found that article that he wanted to share with you guys about the way Major League Baseball has changed and wanted to read you a couple of quotes out of that these, article. These are a couple of paragraphs from the article, which is authored by Bob Nightingale, in my opinion, the best baseball writer Great in baseball the country writer. these yep. days. He sat down with Brian Price. 
Ryan Price is the Philadelphia Phillies pitching coach who stepped down because he can't stand the game. Price can't stand watching the way the game is being taught. He scoffs at these training centers that claim that they're pitching or teaching pitching development when it's only about building arm strength. Hitters are being taught launch angles with funky swings instead of actually learning how to hit. I think we had better take a really good hard look at this Trojan horse that opened itself and emptied into professional baseball. You really can't watch the game. It's hard to take. Well That's said. Brian Price. And, and Very he well said. is right. I had a, uh, a kid that played for me a few years ago. And his pitching coach, his local pitching coach, who played professional baseball, was teaching him to pop up like Clayton Kershaw. Uh Now, Clayton Kershaw can do that. An eight-year-old can't. And it was kind of silly because it was just, you know, it's the kind of thing parents like to hear. Parents are are the worst. And I'm a parent. But they are the worst because they do the worst things for their kids when it comes to sports. When it, instead of guiding them in the right direction, they 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 gravitate to guy to people who are like, "I'm going to make your kid a pro." That's all crap. Yeah, you, the, you said it best. The, guiding the, is what needs to happen. The, the truth is, what makes what makes a kid a pro, what makes a kid get to the next level of sports, are the parents, mm-hmm. are the family members, somebody that goes out and plays catch. And whether your kid plays at a higher level of sports or not, that's meaningless. The moments that you get doing that, that is what cannot be replaced. How about, Joe, the final scene in Field of Dreams? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That says it all right playing there. Catch. Will you I, play absolutely. catch with me? I'd love to be playing catch with my daddy. He spent a lot of time in the backyard playing catch with me. So, you know, I, I have those feelings. But that's not a roundtable discussion. A <laughs> roundtable discussion is talking about the new college football format. And, Ned, you're a fan of more teams, but you have problems. Let's talk about With this one, there. I do. Now, with going to eight teams, I think you could probably justify that. And don't, don't misunderstand. I'm not vehemently opposed to the 12 teams. I just have some reservations about it. Why? Because of the number of extra games that are going to be played. Most of these teams, if not all of them, have 12 game schedules. A team could play as many as 17 under this new format that's coming in. Something has to change. You will have six conference champions, doesn't designate which conference, six conference champions who are highly rated. And I could mean Coastal Carolina or Boise State is higher rated than Ohio State. Mm. Not likely to happen, but it could. All right, six conference champions highly rated. The four highest rated get a first-round bye. Everybody else, 5 through 12, will play uh, into the first round, the quarterfinals, semifinals, and then the national championship. That could, that's extra games. My problem is this. You're asking college athletes who are not rewarded to continue playing a high level of football. What, what happens? You see individuals now bowing out of bowl games. Uh, because, hey, I've got a pro career coming up. I better watch it. What does this mean, playing an extra game here for a bowl game? So what? Same with this. Does playing for a national championship, a trophy, mean as much as your possible career in the NFL? Again, guys, we live in the me, me, me society. I, I, I. What's, what's going to be best for me? And like it or not, and I don't like it, 
But like it or not, you have to face that fact that it does rear its ugly head into today's situation. My point is this. If they're going to play a lot of extra games, they're going to have to be rewarded somehow. How? That's not up to a small mind like me to figure out. But there's going to have to be some level of reward. John, what do you think? Well, here's here's where I'll go point counterpoint. So I like the idea of the expanded playoffs just because, and I've, I think I've mentioned this on the show before. I can't remember how many years ago it was, but you know, you've got UCF, the University of Central Florida, still with an undefeated banner claiming themselves as the national champions. <laughs> this sort of thing will correct issues like that, I believe. Now, to what Ned said, and I've not been shy about this, they're adding extra games. What does that do for the student-athletes? Nothing. What does that do for the NCAA and the universities? Billions. Huge amounts of money. You cannot continue to change these things without reimbursing the players for what they're generating for the NCAA and their university. This is ridiculous thinking, it's outdated, and they need to be compensated. Josh, I see you staring at the ceiling. Well, I, I, I have mixed feelings about the whole paying college athletes thing. I get it. It generates so much money that it's inevitably going to happen. But I feel like there could be a better way for that to be done. I understand what Ned's saying, too. I mean, a lot of these players uh, are opting out of bowl games because they think that they're, it could hurt their draft status. Uh, and that's disappointing to me, too, because college football is great to watch. These guys are trying a lot harder, in my opinion, a lot of times than NFL games because there's a lot more on the line. Um, I want to see some Cinderella team have the ability to win a national championship in college football, which is not really possible right now with a four-team playoff. Uh, Twelve seems like they're maybe going all in. Uh, I think they could do eight, and it would be fine. But, yeah, I mean, I, man, there's so many factors involved in it. So I like the idea. Uh, I understand where you're coming from with compensation and the extra games. Uh, they need to reach a happy medium. Do you think the happy medium is fewer regular season games? Yes. Yes. I, I do, so. yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you take a look uh, at, at how other circumstances exist in postseason. I, and for Ned Reynolds, who's mathematically very challenged, <laughs> this took a lot of doing on my part. Well, high school, the high school state champions have the state champion will play for, well, and the runner-up, obviously, will play 14 games. That is a lot. But it's also an extension of your uh, regular season because you usually end at 10 and then you start your playoff 11, 12. That's not the way it is in college. College games with the bowl games... 12, 13, depending on how many you play. With the playoff teams, 13 or 14. With the NFL, it is 20. Mm-hmm. If you're going the full route through the, considering exhibition games, but they're being paid for that. Uh, it is not... Not the is, exhibition games. Well, it's not as physically demanding as you might think, but, it's, but face it, football is a game of concussion. You're beating oh, yeah. somebody. There's physical... Uh, circumstances involved. There are injuries. It is part of the game. <clears throat> and when the more games you play, the more situations are going to exist in which a player will, in fact, have some injury. It does happen. And it's a career. You've got to think about the careers involved. 
the problem with that, though, that you run into is that because the NCAA is, you know, it's a weird thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the conferences are their own thing. And then there's the NCAA and then so and they kind of function not always in each other's best interest. The conferences aren't going to want to do that. They're not going to want to give up one or two games a season because that's revenue that they're losing. There's the problem right there. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you can't, if you're planning on a 12 game season and all of a sudden have it interrupted, no. Furthermore, there are existing contracts that take uh, teams into that 12 game season. That's why I'm saying and agreeing with John that there has to be some level of compensation to these players other than just the scholarship and the cost of attendance which I think is $4,000 a player, I think. I'm not positive because we don't have it here. Doing in baseball, but we yes. don't have it in anything else. Uh, other than that, you don't have anything extra. And these are guys, many of them, who have a possible pro future, and you're putting it on the line. One of the things that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks <laughs> is the portal, and we're running out of time here, but I do want to get your thoughts on this, Ned. The more that we move towards monetizing college football players – the more that opens up the whole portal idea and free agency, because again, you're talking about money to, to kids. I mean, that's all that they really, that anybody really understands this point. I'm trying to get to the next level to be a NFL player, NBA player, college, um, professional baseball player, whatever, you know, if they're playing at Missouri State, for example, and they're the second string center fielder and they're in a feel like I'm not getting the, the playing time, then how can you keep them? How can you argue against the portal when maybe they could go to wherever and start maybe make a name for themselves? Yeah, Joe, I don't think we're arguing against the portal because it does exist. I'm arguing against the philosophical effect that the portal has. That guy playing seconds, we'll just use this as an example. Second string for the Bears. Well, I hey, I see over here a better circumstance. Wait a minute. Why am I second team on the Bears? Why aren't our first team? What guarantee am I going to have a plan over there? The grass is always greener, and not just in athletics. You see that in every profession. Everyone, mine included, when it looks like, well, you've got a golden hurrah. Wait a minute. No, it isn't so golden either. (laughs) Hey, there, you've got to weigh very carefully your uh, circumstance. And I'm not against the portal existing. It's the approach that's being taken. It's the, it always comes down to money. Yep. That's where you're, you're back, you're back to. And the thing that I hate is that I hate to see to lose, I hate to lose that the, I won't say purity because that's just too naive, but. That, well, purity. The stigma of professional mm-hmm. in what should be an amateur, but Joe, it is long gone. Yeah, yeah long it gone. is long gone, and it's, it, it is unfortunate. We'll wrap up Ned Talk next on 104.7 The Cave. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Let me sum this up for you as far as the weather goes today. Hot. Very, very hot. Like air conditioning is my friend hot. My friend Katie posted on her uh, Facebook page that she's in a in a relationship with air conditioning. Nice. <laughs> love, love, love. I agree, Katie. Yes. I know she's not listening, but if you know Katie, tell her I said something about her on the radio. <laughs> so uh, this is the portion of the show where we talk about what we're going to watch on TV today. And I uh, know probably what 
you guys are going to be watching tonight, Cubs and Cardinals. That'll be it for me. It'll be the Cubs, Cardinals. Nothing today. Just get outside and under the good old sunshine and in the nice, balmy temperatures. Hey, hey gang, I'm being facetious. It, you're not being facetious. It's it's fine with me. I don't mm-hmm. mind this at all. Make sure you put on your sunscreen. Oh, I know, and I think I probably have some problems, but hey, way go. We're talking about your problems. That's an hour show in and of itself. <laughs> we'll do that. will be a roundtable discussion. I, I wanted to do this. We, we always try to plan a roundtable. It's a good idea for us to plan a roundtable discussion a week early. But usually something comes up during the week that we end up talking about. Uh-huh. So, But I do have a good idea. And if nothing more interesting comes up during the course of the week, let's next Sunday, let's talk about greatest sports rivals because Ooh. the Cubs and Cardinals are on tonight. I like that. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's yeah, a great that's idea. Good one. So we'll, we'll talk about that next week. Mm-hmm. I know Josh won't be here next week. Maybe we right. can get Jake to sit in on the show. So we've made a new rule. Apparently, your name has to start with a J to be on the show with Ned. So <laughs> that's right. That's way things. So what are you going to wear? You're going to watch Cubs and Cardinals. I'm going to watch Cubs and Cardinals definitely. Josh, there's some exciting soccer happening in the world. Are you going to watch that? I may. I may watch that. That's the UEFA European Championship. But uh, I don't know. I may try to catch the Cubs Cardinals too and see if the Cubs can sweep them. I, I think I started. Um, Winter Soldier and Falcon last night. It was good. Nice. So I think I'll probably watch that and flip back and forth between the Cubs and Cardinals game. So we'll see you guys next Sunday for another round of Ned Talk. If you're just tuning in for your rock and roll, well, it starts in just a minute. If you want to listen to Ned, you can do it as a podcast. It's right here on 104.7 The Cave. Do it through our website, wherever you download your podcast at, or you can do it through the Cave app. Remember, information about Mitch Holtis. He's coming to town on the 22nd. July at the Riff. Tickets available at 1047thecave.com. Ned, have a great week. And do you, sir. John, have a great week. You as well. Josh, have a great couple of weeks. You too, buddy. This is Ned Talk. I want to thank Corbin Campbell, Mike the Intern, and Scott Meyer. We'll see you in a week.